Hello and welcome to the Topical City Podcast, uh, episode five. If you don't count the Derby Day special, I'm here as always with the other two Etty lads. We've got James. How are you, mate? Now we've got Richard. Sanji, hi. I always forget uh, that, you so, know, every time. <laughs> we'll start with our regular opening segment, and that is, it's been a good week to be a City fan. We have, again, won both games since the last podcast. Edit that out, please, Richard. Uh, so we'll start with a table review since the end of last podcast and the Mönchengladbach game. Not much change. Uh, Richard did guess the Mönchengladbach scorer, which puts him on a whole one point. Uh, and yes, I can't I'm slowly read. making the comeback there, mate. I can't, you know, you make it even more of a comeback because I took a point off myself, self-inflicted. I fell on my own sword. I lost the point because I just can't read when I'm doing the graphics for the Twitter. So it is what it is. <laughs> um, it, just to recap the table there then. So James uh, is still bottom. He didn't lose any lineup points this week though. So I was round of applause. baffled, mate. Did James? Absolutely baffled. Yeah, in fact, he got, I think the, I think it's the first time you got, for the Gladbach game, I think it's the first time that you won that technically because you got the most right so yeah well I was, yeah. I was saying to uh, I was saying to Lizzie that when the lineup came out I was really frustrated because I was like I've finally not lost points in it but then neither of you two so I'm no better off mm. anyway <laughs> which ones did you get wrong um, I got I think I got three so I didn't have no you got two wrong so you, I think Sterling was one no, I had Sterling Mares and Zinchenko I think I had Ah, uh, okay. Well, then you were equal to us then. I've just told a, a whole fabrication. Oh, maybe, maybe you're right then. I'll have to double check. I'll have to go back and check. Maris, Maris uh, played. Right. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, still, that's it. Then, still yeah. in a yeah. Great. So, that puts James with minus four. Uh, Richard's on one, and I am on two. Top of the league. So, we'll go straight into it. Richard, I believe you've got some points about the Fulham game. Do you want to start with the formation? Bit of a weird one. Yeah, yeah, it's something that Pep's done before, hasn't he? But it's not been done for a long, long time. Like, I think the last time I remember seeing that was in the 17-18 season. And I was proper getting the impression at the start of that season that it's something that we were going to use more often. But I think Mendy, um, was that the season where Mendy got injured and Delph took, started taking over proper? So you can't have that left wing back role. So the he Delph started playing more of the inverted fullback role. So I think it's something that Pep would have gone with and maybe even ran with throughout the whole of that season, but kind of it got put on uh, the back burner. It got kiboshed quite early on. Tactically, if you're going to play with the front three that Pep chose for the Fulham game, which was Jesus, Aguero and Torres, you're not really getting the width across the pitch with those two on the wing, Jesus and Torres, so you need to find the width somewhere else. So best to go with the fullbacks there, the wing backs, and Cancelo and Mendy are pretty much made for those roles. So something a bit new, but if you're going to be doing the amount of rotation that Pep's doing and you still need to widen the pitch as much as possible, as much as you can widen the pitch at Craven Cottage, it looks like you know Peter Crouch could lie across the entire width of it. Uh, if you're going to do that, then wing-backs are the best way to go. I know I was a bit um, scared that it was going to be a little test for, for the later game in that week. How did you feel about it, Jen? Yeah, it's it's always worrying, isn't it, when Pep does something new and you have a little panic. I think the first... I literally just got in as the game started, so I hadn't been able to prepare myself for what was about to come. Um, and I don't know about you, but I thought straight away... It just looks like they're in disarray. Like the, the the defense, especially, it just seemed to be like everyone was just sort of hurrying and rushing all over the place. And I said to Lizzie again that it, it felt like that formation suited Fulham more than us for the first few minutes. Um, like I think almost almost straight away, Laporte just has to pump a ball out into the non-existent crowd, and you don't see that normally. You see a, a calm head. But yeah, I was going to ask about that. Do you reckon that's because? We've started poorly in a lot of games anyway. Like it takes us about 15 minutes just to get a foothold into it. Or do you think that was more specifically to do with that formation? It's hard to say, isn't it? But my feeling was, and maybe that's just I'm imprinting my own feelings on the team. But 
yeah, I did I did feel that they would sort of get into it felt like they'd not practiced it and Pepper just gone, shit, this is the formation go and they'd got on the pitch and gone, We'll figure this out. And the first twenty five minutes was them figuring out how that works. And I say that I, I mean main I felt like Rodri and Bernardo did okay. I think it was a bit of a learning curve for a different front three who operated a very different way and probably weren't fully fit in Torres and Aguero. And then a defence that's not used to having that many bodies in those positions. And it felt like we were just set up to really play into Fulham's hands for the first few minutes. I wonder if it's something that we might use again in the future, just because in those two number eights positions, we only have three players. So essentially every spot, rest of the spot on the pitch, we have two players for every position. And so Pep can really hammer home that rotation. Like you don't really notice if Fernandinho goes out for Rodri or if Jesus goes out for Torres or Aguero or anything like that. But if you go in arrest two of them at the same time, you kind of have to mix up the formation to get a bit more control in the centre of the pitch because without Gundogan and De Bruyne to do that, you're just going to suffer a bit so. Maybe it was a case of these two have got red flags next to them fitness-wise now, so we just have to go with something different. I, for one, love seeing Jesus and Aguero in the same team. Uh, I have done for you. <laughs> I, I always think both of them just play better with each other. Um, so I wouldn't be unhappy to see it again. I would be unhappy to see it again in the second leg of the quarterfinal of the Champions League. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. I know one point you wanted to make, Richard, was a point we make every week about how Bernardo Silva is completely the the absolute, the, the thing that keeps the cogs turning in this team. Um, how do you feel he played against Fulham? In my notes here, I've got in block capital letters, industry. Because <laughs> <laughs> we literally say the same thing every week. But I, we say, he's essential to us right now. And when you play a formation like that, he becomes even more essential just because of that industry pace, tracking back, pre- pressing, close control on the ball, exploiting space off the ball. There was the spot, that was the match, wasn't it, where he comes in from the right and manages to skill it round about like two or three players to get a shot off on goal, which wasn't great, but at least it was on target. He's 100% one of our best players at the moment and we suffer when he's not in the team, which is why I'm not surprised that I mean, we'll get onto the Munch and Gladbach game in a bit, but I'm not surprised that Pep's finding a way to shoehorn all three of them into the same team if he can do all three number eights. I was just going to say, I don't think that crazy formation would have worked without Bernardo in the middle. I think his legs and his movement was absolutely crucial. And you put anyone else in there and it doesn't work. I think you could say that about most of the formations that we play. It's, it's Without him, we just seem... Like he was missing against United, he was the he was the one player that I thought that Pam Foden maybe that should have played and we needed him. Uh, you just see it, like you say, you see you notice when he's not there. Yeah. Um. I, I love the thing I love about Bernardo the most is when he gets just so much over the last couple of games, especially when he gets pushed off the ball and he's bundled over, he still comes out with it. Yeah, he throws himself after it, doesn't he? <laughs> throws himself to the floor, still manages to break dance his way around especially in the Montreal Gladbach game, around two players to keep the ball and get it, to keep it. He's insane sometimes. His close control is amazing. One thing I, I don't think none of us expected to see against Fulham, Benjamin Mendy playing. How do, how do you think he played, James? Nothing to write home about. Like, he didn't let himself down, in, you know, in the way that some might have expected. Surely he's, he's not fully fit in terms of much sharpness. But I feel like he's being used in the same way that Garcia would be used just to protect other players and give other players a rest. It's not about trying to bring him back into the team and sharpen him up. He's being used as an asset to Pep for squad management at the minute, and I, I imagine he'll leave in the summer if we can get a suitor for him. I've fixed my mic now if you wanted to ask me any questions. <laughs> I, I'm just, uh, yeah, if you want, uh, I was just letting you speak about Mendy then if you want to take over as well. No, I was just going to say that um, I think him getting game time just shows Guardiola's commitment to maybe not just rotation to keep all the players fresh, but his commitment to just trying to keep harmony in the team as much as possible. Like, I don't think that Mendy gets any time in the team whatsoever if if Guardiola hasn't recognised like his good attitude in in training or anything like that and chooses to pick him. 
So it's just a bit disappointing that like coming out of games, you hear a couple of other players maybe complaining about not getting as much time in the team. But whether that's mind. true or not, you so, know, I live uh, close to the ground, mate. So I've got a bit of I got some inside scoop. Yeah, I think you you've got to mention centre back FC John Stones again scoring. I think it's four in ten, something like that. He's just he's continually been immense. Uh, but I know you wanted to speak about it specifically. Yeah, I was just going to say that I think that Laporte's always provided us with a really good aerial threat in the opposition's box. Like from time to time, he he has got a couple of headers, and I think that Diaz's positional awareness is really good as well. Like knowing when to stay forward and how to get in positions to get the ball, but that his finishing maybe isn't as good as Laporte's. But John Stones is like just a perfect combination of those two things. He's got that positional awareness as well as the aerial threat. And he's made us suddenly on set pieces look to be a beast, which I mean, for fuck's sake, Not the how way. many seasons went yeah, how many seasons went by where corners were just like the most pitiful thing in the world? Like, I mean, they still are when like Mendy takes them, but <laughs> like in the Fulham game, like getting hit first man on the front post heads the ball away but it's nice to have that threat as well and just another notch in City's bow is that the same not notching the bow quivering in City's uh, yeah yeah notching the bell and quivering the bow that's (laughs) yeah Yeah, I I agree with about stones um and do you know I'll get this feeling as well and I don't know if this is a hot take or not so feel free to shoot me down that for the start of the season, Diaz was the guy that changed everything and he was the, the guy that made everything really solid and he helped build up the confidence of Stones. Not that Diaz is playing bad by any stretch because he's brilliant, but I almost feel like Diaz has dropped ever so slightly to more of an average, like, top, you know, still a top performance, but an average to what he would normally do. And Stones is just exceeding everything that's expected of him at the, at the minute. And I feel like... Stones out of the team, the team's worse off than if you took Diaz out. Could that be more down to just Diaz constantly playing ever since possibly the start of start of the season? Like he, he's he's had what two or three games out where he's not started, so may, maybe that's down to that more than um, anything else. Hopefully, mm-hmm. but a good set of partnership one picks the other one up, don't they? Yeah, so definitely. It's just Stones' turn now. Um, you've both got an opportunity now to make amends for making me cry last week. Do you want to wax lyrical about Sergio Aguero scoring his first <laughs> goal in 14 months? Well, here's a hot take. I was going to say, you can uh, Can you wax lyrical about someone scoring a penalty? But I think in Manchester City's team, you actually can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it was a good penalty as well. Like, the keeper chose the right way and almost got hands to it. So, yeah, actually, fair play to him there. And he looked a, a ton sharper than he did against West Ham. I think that when Aguero comes back from injuries, sometimes it does take him a little bit of time to get up to speed. And now we've got a lot of games, yeah, but we've fa- stumbled on a formation that really works well with the false nine, like in the Muncher Gladback game. So I can only I can only see Aguero once a week or I don't know, like once every three matches. But this was a really good performance for him. So, yeah, he's done a, a ton of credit there in terms of getting some more game time and maybe a new contract, hopefully. So there's a bit of optimism for you there, Cam. Something to put a smile on your face and sleep doesn't, well at night. Doesn't make up for anything. But you mentioned uh, Monster Club, so we might as well move on. James, what, what was your overall takeaway from the game? Just just before we jump onto that, I'll just give my, uh, my thoughts on Aguero. Okay, go for it. Just to just to ruin your mood a little bit. Um, I think if you take out all the nostalgia and you take out everything you know, everything he's done for the club, he's not done anything to shout home about over the last two or three games. And that's fine, but the way some fans are responding to like wetting themselves over a run that you made in the first game back, yeah, it's great we've not seen that from Jesus. But actually if that was any other player, it wouldn't even have been mentioned. It's because it's Aguero. So I think they need like we need a little bit of perspective as to he's he's operating at sixty percent at the minute. Doesn't he's not playing well. He's just showing us something a little bit different and some glimpses of what could happen. So there's a long way to go, I think, before we see I could be completely wrong, but 
I feel like there's a long way before if we see him at his best again. Wow, way to bring the mood down, James. We were just really uh, getting on the Should hype just train cut there. You off. Than, yeah, <laughs> you off. <laughs> um, so now we'll talk about Munchenglandback. And again, James, I will ask. Sorry, mate. What was your overall takeaway from that game? You'll get all my positivity now, mate. I've been saving it up. That was arguably the best team performance of the season for me. I think we looked like a complete unit. Everything we did, we were together, whether that be defending, winning the ball back, or moving forward, like I say, as a unit. The the way that we, we swapped around positions, the way that Gundo was up front at one point and then folding next, I think Kev was taking that spot. I know we've been doing that for the last few games, but it's like everything just clicked in this game for me. And I feel like there wasn't one bad performance in there. And yeah, there's just arguably one or two that you could say were better than the others. But really, the whole team was a 7 or an 8 out of 10, at least. And it was just great to see everyone doing their jobs and being on the same hymn sheet. I completely agree. Um, I did want to ask, the, the main thing I wanted to ask you guys was that, that Mönchengladbach team is a team that hasn't won in God knows how long. The manager's already checked out because he's going to Dortmund. And the players just don't seem to care at the moment. How much confidence can we really take from those two games? If any, can we take any to the later stages? Or, or is it just an easy win that we just breezed past? I think you can take a ton of confidence out of it still. like Everything that James said was true. City can take, despite the all and all the things you said about Munch and Gladbach are true there as well, Cam. But despite the opposition being shit, like I think City can still take a lot of pride out of the performance there. And they should be able to perform at that level against a higher quality of opposition, which we're undoubtedly going to get for the next round as well. So I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. I think it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. That's what I like to hear. I think we also a had few a drama quote. <laughs> I think we also had a pearler of a performance from Captain Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, does anybody want to have a bit of a word about him? It was just a matter of time, weren't it, before he got back to this level. Like I said, the, the whole team was playing really well as a unit, but maybe he was the one that was just slightly above the mean. Um, the goal was really important for him because he's he's been missing that this season, and it might just give him that bit of confidence that you know he can really show up on these big occasions. I'm sure you enjoyed yeah. that goal going in as well, James. Got you a little point on the Etihad's table. Well, you it got me a point. No, don't oh, rub it. Oh, rubbing this in, sorry, mate. my bad, my bad. <laughs> when it's not my point, I don't care. Uh, Do you know? I thought I had picked Kev though, so I was buzzing, and then when I checked, I was like, for God's sake. Well, I'd unfortunately picked uh, Pep Guardiola's nemesis, Raheem Sterling, to score. Um, so, <laughs> didn't go well for me, I'm afraid. Before we sort of move on from anything, unless anybody's got anything else they want to bring up about Munch and Gladback? Yeah, I've got uh, two little points. Go on, Richard. Yeah, you yeah go I've first. got about 10, 10 minutes to um, talk about just how beautiful Ilkay Gundogan is. Like, If any City player this season is going to get player of the year, it's him. Agree. And he needs to keep up this goal scoring because if he at the other minute he's on track for like Frank Lampard levels of goal scoring from a, for a midfielder in the Premier League and other competitions as well. And if, if you're looking at a City player getting it, he's the most likely candidate, and someone's got to beat Bruno Fernandez to it because the cunts done fuck all. Like they're not going to win anything this season. They're going to get second place and consider it a trophy. So. Just a shout out to Wilkie and long may it continue for him. You got about nine more minutes to talk about Wilkie Gundogan. Yeah. <laughs> I condensed it all down into <laughs> as short of time as possible. Okay, what about you, James? Uh, yeah, I too. So, Mares, what was that all about? Like, he's, oh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't decide whether he was just because he's been on such a good, a rich vein of form in terms of scoring recently that he was just determined to keep that up. But there's several occasions where he, he just chose not to pass. And, and it was the exact same shot every time. Yeah, exactly. The keeper had it sussed. Um, yeah, and yeah. 
I, I don't know if it was just he was really confident because of what's been going on or it was a bit of selfishness creeping back in, which he does have on occasion. Um, so I didn't quite know what to take with that. But to swing back to a positive note, I was so impressed with Fernandinho when he came on. It was He was so classy and it seemed like he had a bit more of like attacking intent about him and maybe that was you know, a bit of creative licence because we were we were through already. But there was, there was one like lung-busting run down the right-hand side and then a perfect three ball, which was the one that Mari should have then passed. But I was so impressed. He's like he's rolling back the ears again and just thought... I'd, I'd he did to two amazing yeah. junky runs just yeah. to... Uh, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I was watching Fernandinho play. Exactly. Uh, when he did was, it, it was insane. Was it the Fulham game as well where he came on and he tackles somebody on the edge of the Fulham penalty area and it, that's what leads to a goal? He's done it again recently. Yeah, Fernandinho's great and hopefully he's used as a bit more than a super sub, like especially because I picked him for the Munch and Gladback game and he didn't start. And I'm probably <laughs> going to pick him for the Everton game as well and I don't expect him to start really for that either. In- interesting mini debate to have. If if you could only extend the contract of one, would it be Fernandinho or Aguero? What, are we having that now? Just a tiny little, you know, what, what would you, what would you prefer? Who, who would you prefer to stay? Fernandinho for me. Personally, I would prefer Aguero to stay, but for if, if you're approaching it from a club perspective, is it'd have to be Fernandinho because I don't think we're going to strengthen in that position. Whereas I think either way we're going to strengthen in the attacking position. So if you were going to make a call on it, maybe you'd extend Fernandinho's. There's maybe. a leadership element as well that he, he seems so crucial in the dressing room, he, like company was when he wasn't playing much. That. You know, Fernandino seems to have that about him, which I don't know oh, if Aguero well. does. Uh, I now, I'm no clear on who I'm going to favour during the debate after that. <laughs> answer, so. I thought just before we move on to part two, is it worth mentioning what's been going on? The Sterling moaning for game time, Aguero being upset that he doesn't get past to, or is it just idle paper talk? That, Allegedly. That <laughs> thought maybe it'd be worth speaking about it for a bit of perspective, maybe. Start if you screenshot in the the source, if you screenshotting it from like from Reddit, then it's not worth commenting on in any way, shape, or form. If if you are taking it that something's probably happened because Sterling hasn't started, then I think it is worth a conversation. But it's probably worth having that conversation after a after a couple more games rather than just because he hasn't started the last few. Yeah, it's a storm in a teacup, and these things happen all the time, like behind the scenes you know ex-pros come out and chat about it all the time I'm not concerned in the slightest by it good what about you Cam? good good no no not at all uh it hurt my heart a bit to hear that Sergio may have said that but like you say if I was playing football I'd be fucked off if nobody passed to me either yeah so <laughs> like you say nothing to worry about I don't think it was a bit weird to see Sterling not start the Gladbach game I was, I was. If you'd have asked me before the game, who I was nailed, it was nailed on to start that isn't Edison. I would have said Sterling and Mares because I, I would, have, I was so sure about it. And it was weird to see him not start. But like I say, I don't think there's anything to it. I think it's just again, it could be he's been making a lot of mistakes and Laporte lost his place for that. So maybe it's just you're sitting a couple of games out, Raheem. Right then, we'll call it on the last two games there, and we'll head on into part two, where we've got a couple of debates that James and Richard are going to argue about the season. You're listening to the Topical City Podcast. Disagree with anything you've heard? Don't forget to let the Etty lads know at Topical City Pod on Twitter. We're back now with my favourite part when I'm not actually debating and I'm just judging. Uh, we're back with our weekly debates. Uh, we've got two very nice debates for you today. <laughs> Uh, we're going to start with the first one. We'll just get right into it. How's that? First question: What's further away, Manchester or Budapest? <laughs> it depends on who's answering the question. I think <laughs> you got that right, Can. To be fair, it was just you doubting whether yeah. or not you. <laughs> your skills the the are issue jumping. I had was for some reason I knew it was at home, and then as soon as I answered your first question, I was like, "No, but it's in Germany. It would have been in Germany." <laughs> so I immediately <laughs> changed my mind. Uh, okay. If, actual. If, sorry to interrupt you. If you'd have opened that to the floor, mate, I wouldn't have taken a point out from you. I just found it hilarious that you were like, "No, it was." It and was if too my big geography's a right, <laughs> it was too big a mistake. I, I couldn't. I couldn't get away with it. 
I'll have you know, the only time I've had points taken off is for anything like that. It's been falling on my own sword, so keep that in mind, everybody. <laughs> Actual first debate. We'll do something a little bit topical. Gabriel Jesus, keep ourselves. Richard, do you want to go first on this one? Yeah, absolutely. So on this one, I'm going to take the point of selling Gabriel Jesus. I think that we're going to be buying in that spot anyway. As we were talking about off air, it seems boxed off that a surgeon, certain Norwegian striker might be joining us anyway. So we don't really need to rotate three players in and out of that central striker position. And we know that Aguero can do the business in front of goal more than Gabriel Jesus. Like, I don't need to reel off a bunch of stats to, to know that that's true. Gabriel Jesus just stutters from time to time. You know, obviously he got a great goal against Fulham where he managed to get around the goalkeeper, even though everyone I'm sure at home was screaming, shoot, shoot, for the love of God, shoot the entire time that he had the ball at his feet. But he just isn't a striker. And if you move him out onto the left... I don't think that all of the things that the City fans list for the re a reason why he deserves a place in the team, his energy, his pressing, his tracking back, his enthusiasm, etc. A lot of those things the, with the formation that City play, they don't apply out to that position on the left. That position is to stretch the play and cut inside and score. And he just isn't great at that thing. So... I reckon that we're going to be strengthening that position soon, offer Aguero a new contract, sell Gabriel Jesus and get the money, and then we can use that to invest in other areas of the pitch as well. And not only that, but I'll add in the caveat as well, he's born offside, and I'm sick of every single time that the ball's passed to him, the flag going up <clears> or it cutting back to VAR. So get him out of the club, sell him. I don't want him there anymore. I want the money. I want the investment in other players. I want Haaland. I want Messi. Fuck it. I want uh, uh, Jack Grealish. <laughs> wow. I want Youngmin Son. And we can do that if we sell Gabriel Jesus and get a bit of cash money for him. Well, i got to say, James, uh, giving Aguero a new contract has already put the shine on Richard's side, regardless of anything to do with Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, he's just kissing um, your ass with that one, mate. Well... Probably lost a point for a Gale cliche right? as well, yeah. <laughs> um, well, what do you think was a Gale cliche? Just just before we move on, what do you think you've said? Uh, Guero's contract. Okay, we'll see. Uh, so, James, you think we should keep Gabriel Jesus? I believe this is a genuine as well. It's, it's not just fighting aside, it's a genuine. Yeah, for the probably the first time that we've been doing the debates, I'm actually arguing for a point I believe in. Um, I want to see a bit of passion <clears> from you then, mate. It doesn't need to be passionate. It can be cold, hard facts, mate. Come in for you. Um, so I'll start off by just um, rebutting a couple of things Richard said. So he said that we're buying anyway. We don't need to rotate three players. As things stand, Aguero is still even in the summer. Now, regardless of whether we want him to stay or not, the club as a business have him as an asset. As Sorry, have Jesus as an asset on the books. So they would look at him as a 23-year-old guy with years on his contract who will get better and Aguero, as I said this last week, a depreciating asset who is out of contract. So there's actually no value in that. So first of all, it doesn't make business sense what Richard just said. Secondly, he said he isn't a striker and that we don't really need that energy and pressing from the left wing. That's more about stretching the play. And he's not very good at that. We've barely seen him have a run of games on the left-hand side. So it's hard to make that judgment yet. He needs to have a bit of confidence and play there with a proper striker in front of him for us to see if he actually can do that role. But for me, the points I've kind of looked at is the lad's still, he's only 23. He's got so much to learn and he's nowhere near his peak yet. And I had a look at the numbers he's been hitting. So his goal contribution is literally one every other game this season. And overall in his city career, his goal contribution is well over 62% which is unbelievable for a young lad coming to a new league. And, you know, I was very careful thinking I was going to hit a girl cliche. <laughs> um, and so they're great numbers to start with. And I thought, I wonder how that would work in comparison to, you know, some other players. So I compared him to Rashford, who is the same age. You'd argue a left-sided forward. He has a better ratio of goal contributions than Rashford despite playing 90 games less. This lad is nowhere near his peak yet. So we need to give him a chance. 
and have a bit of faith in him and look at how we treated John Stones and Ilkay Gundogan and look how they've come good. Like, give the lad some time in the team and let him play in the position that we, we all agree he's better in. Before you rebut that, uh, Richard, just to peel back the curtain, uh, I think James was so excited about this one that he was stood up while he was... Uh... <laughs> Well, he was arguing that. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so strong opening statement. Uh, so you you disagree, Richard? I believe. Yeah, the, just because he's young, that's no guarantee that he'll get better at all. Like, what what's your evidence of that? There's enough source material of his time at the club now to make a judgment and say that he isn't going to get better in front of goal, and we can by selling him, we can get better players in. And you said that. Like, how is selling him going to get any money? Rebutting my point, but selling him is getting money. Like, get Aguero. Aguero might be a depreci- have depreciating value, but if we let him go on a free anyway, then we're not getting any money for him. Whereas if we sell Gabriel Jesus, we will get money. You know, I'll, I'll give you some numbers as well. Gundogan is the leading goal scorer in the league with 12. Like, Pep's having to find new ways of playing and new formations and new systems like that Fulham game because people like Jesus just haven't delivered in front of goal. We were talking in the Messi debate. I'm not sure if that ever actually made it to <laughs> being a public consumption or not. Stop, but stop we telling said in people that, the secrets. <laughs> that getting in Messi, would that affect anybody's game time? And my response to that was no, because we'll, we'll be getting rid of Mares. But with the form that Mares is, is in and the goals that he's getting, he's the one that we should be keeping. And Gabriel Jesus just doesn't have that goal return for me. So I think that we should sell him and get the money. Do I have a rebuttal? You do. Sorry, I, I, was, I was enjoying the flow. Uh, uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you one more uh, go at it before I make a okay. decision go for it. So you've just said the source material is that he's not going to get back in front of goal. And I've just told you the stats that he has a goal contribution every other game, which is... Fantastic for a player his age. Compared him to Rashford, I also had a look at Jao Felix, and he's younger by two years, but his goal contribution is only 46%. So that's a lad that we've been linked with that we'd have to shell out 100 million for, and he's not even as good. So Jesus is very wasteful. I agree with that. But he brings so much more to the team. And if you think about it, if, if all that isn't enough to convince you, you're saying that we'd get money for Jesus everyone's skint at the minute in a COVID market. No one is going to meet the valuation City have of Jesus. So, one, we can't sell. Who's, who are we going to sell him to? And secondly, who would you get in as a replacement that would would be any cheaper? Like, you, you're saying that... We're, it, getting, it, we're getting Haaland, it's boxed off. And you, you're listing out statistics for Jao Felix and Rashford. They don't play centrally in front of goal like Jesus does. They don't have the team like City around them that feed goals to positions that you can just tap the ball into the back of the net. But our argument was that Jesus... It's completely different. Like, they're different players in different structures. I believe uh, I had I my time to speak, statistics Chairman. Is, uh, this is the second I'm just getting in my points on you. I'm rebuttaling uh, the rebuttal before I've not, I've the bell I've not even <laughs> finished my point. I think that's worth um, stocking points there, Cam. I think um, it's going to be taken into account. Yeah, massively, I think. I was just rude, if anything else, mate. Um, we've all discussed that Jesus shouldn't be playing centrally, so that just goes back into my point anyway. Um, but overall, I will argue the point that he's a unique type of player that's going to be hard to find anywhere else. He's happy to fight for his spot and he's happy to almost play that second fiddle and you will not find a better, a better second-choice striker that will come on and fight for the team and give you absolutely everything. We've seen that Pep requires so much more than goals. You might say that you don't feel we need that pressing from the left-hand side or that work rate, but Pep does. He requires it from all his players. His finishing will get better as he gets older and he gets more experience. It won't be Aguero levels, but he's a useful asset to have in the team. All right, we're going to stop it there. Ring the bell. There's your point to put the bell in, Richard. Um, I thought there was it was it was very strong on both sides. Um, I am going to give it to James. Ding, ding, ding. Um, mainly because the the argument about if I was chosen, if I had to choose between Aguero and Jesus to keep, you know who I'd pick. Um, but you are right in that even if we keep Aguero, it's only going to be a one year extension, um, probably. And then after that, we're out looking for another second striker. You mentioned we'll get money for Jesus and we could get anybody we want in. I don't think that's true because if we sold Jesus, that money would go to Haaland. 
and then we'd just be again looking for a new striker in two years or, or a year when Aguero goes again. So, and, and again, I, 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 it's the, it's the stat I try out all the time. Gabriel Jesus has one in two. It, it, you, you can't really ask much for more for more than that. This from a second striker. Um, so I can see Richard is, is getting angry and stirring. And I can see that James won the debate there, right? I think that James made the better argument 100%. But once what you said doesn't make sense. If we sell Jesus, that money wouldn't go towards Haaland because we're going to be putting that money down for Haaland anyway. So that money would then be resourced later on to find guess, that striker once Aguero leaves. I guess what I mean is, do you think we have enough money in this current landscape to spend £100 million on Haaland and then get another quality striker in a year. Yeah, by selling Jesus and getting the money. Okay. I disagree, <laughs> but you've lost anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, so <laughs> James gets the point there. Um, you didn't hit a guile cliche either of you. Thank God for that. I think you should have, Richard, but I didn't think about it. Born offside should have definitely been a guile cliche and it wasn't. <laughs> so you got particularly lucky. The only one was uh, I didn't want to hear anything about him calling his mum or Alo Mai or <laughs> anything along those lines. So you, you all dodge that, so it's fine. Second debate, I will warn you, there's a couple of cliches, kind of cliches here. Both, I think, have the chance to hit them equally. So there's no, Richard, you don't have to worry about you just being the one who can hit them this week. Then I think you've both got an equal chance of hitting them. Uh, it's just a fun one. Who's City's hardest, toughest, most rough and ready player of all time. Uh, we'll let James go first this time because I believe it's a surprise. So Richard's been rattled by who I've picked here and he's uh, he's been guessing a few names and he's got nowhere near close. So I'm going to give you one last chance to guess, mate. Oh no, go right ahead. I've gone for Bert Troutman. Nice. Look, look at the shock all over your face, mate. <laughs> um, and you might as well just throw your notes away now because this is done. I'll just start with a few facts to, to just back up my point. <clears throat> Firstly, he fought in World War Two and was awarded the Iron Cross First Class for bravery in battle. On the Russian front, he was blown up but survived. In France, he was buried in rubble and then bombed again. He was captured by the Russians and the French and he escaped both times. Never mind football, that's fucking tough, mate. That's hard. Like He's hard as nails straight away. So that's not even looking into football. That's without talking about the guy that broke his neck playing for City in an FA Cup final and carried on playing. Go on, talk to me about someone who put bandages on the red. Go on. <laughs> yeah, mine's uh, Pablo Zabaleta. To be honest with you, I, I googled uh, City's hardest player, and the first thing that comes up is an MEN article where it gives like the ten hardest, and Bert Troutman is like the first one mentioned on there. So I'm, I'm not These entirely surprised. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, but with, he's the with Pablo... I tried to be original, but if you want to take from the MEN, <laughs> I also saw that MEN article and he wasn't even in it. So, uh... <laughs> lies, he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just going to go with Pablo Zabaleta. Um, he never shirked a tackle. He played on despite having wounds on, I don't know, it was an innumerable amount of times. It feels like the image, the classic image of him in a Manchester City shirt should be accompanied by that bloody bandage as well. Uh, he was a workhorse, always stayed on his feet. I think that some other players were a bit, that became, can be considered hard men, like maybe Joey Barton or Psycho Ben Thatcher. Is because they were just a little bit of a nut job. But for me to be like a proper hard man and to be that level of like in that as a city player as well, I think that you have to have a bit of character about you. And Zabra had never shirk a tackle and he'd never take a dive as well. He was always just that consummate professional while being a hard man as well. So that's why he gets my vote. Tough on the inside and on the outside, uh, Pablo. What have you got to say to that, James? That's all true, and I completely love Pablo Zabaleta. He's one of my favourite ever players. But the, the scope between these two are just next level. The, yeah, Pablo broke a nose a few times, you know, playing for City and had bandages on his head. But you know, he still went home to his his lovely house and got his got on his physio bed and had his private physio come and sort him out. Where Bert Troutman was literally being blown up, and he had more than just bandages on his head. 
Um, and then if you take all that aside as well, you've got to think about the balls on this guy to decide to play for an English football team four years after World War II, being a German and having fought against the British, that the amount of abuse he must have received. And like, I know there was like protests and stuff outside the stadium originally and obviously he won them around in the end, but that guy's got to have like the mentality of an absolute lion, never mind the balls to go and do what he did. I think, you know, it's, it's obviously before our time, but the fact that he's still being talked about now really is the stuff of legend, isn't he? What about anything else to say, Richard? No. No? <laughs> Conceded. <laughs> um, okay. The, the, I mean, it, it is. But try, I, I, I'm finding it a bit hard to give the point here, James, because it seems a bit. <laughs> it seems a bit um, disingenuous, isn't the word, but a bit um, unfair to pick a war hero. <laughs> you know what, mate? I'll just make the point that Richard had the first pick on this, and he picked Zabaleta. I agree. Troutman, and he didn't. What I'm going to do. I am going to give you the point, but because Richard had to fight blind, basically, I'm not going to give you the usual extra point you'd get for getting both questions right. You agreed with um, that before. <laughs> I, I just it, it just feels you a bit, conspired with it me. It feels like Richard has walked into uh, a, like a fist fight, and you've pulled out like a magnum. <laughs> it, it just it. That I didn't walk into a fist fight. I walked into a conspiracy to award James points. That was a magnum I, that was sat on the table that Richard chose not to pick up first. I I was unfortunately put in a, in a very poor position of, of, of being asked <laughs> not to not to advise. Um, so maybe it's bad on my part. Um, oh, but I'll, I'll make you a proposition. I'll make you a proposition. I get the extra point because my argument deserved it, but we don't dock Richard a point for interrupting me very rudely on the first debate. Uh, I wasn't going to dock him a point anyway. I'd forgotten all about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an executive decision and, and you do win both points. Um, but I'm not going to give you that that bonus point for winning <laughs> two because it, it's just... Can't blame me for trying. It doesn't feel in the spirit of the question uh, when I heard <laughs> the argument. Because I, I, I didn't know so much about Bert Trapman and I was sure you were just going to come in and go, well, he broke his neck during the FA Cup final. No, no, no. Your argument to save... Richard Scowl from getting any worse. <laughs> First time I've enjoyed doing this over Zoom so I can see Richard's face. It's all right, Richard. It's the only two points he'll ever score. So. Yeah, I, I agree completely that James won both debates. I just think that the conspiracy to um, make sure that I didn't have any preparation for it whatsoever, whereas James had preparation for what I was going to say, was I, out I of order. I would and agree we, with we you. We brought it up on the, the group time. chat and you didn't come down on a decision. You waited to do the podcast over it. I would agree, but I also don't think any of James's argument was about the weaknesses of Pablo Zabaleta. Yeah, I agree with you about Zabaleta. To Bert Troutman, I, d- I don't think it was... I think you both were able to argue your case for your person without slamming the other person's down. Fair enough. I'll tell you yeah. what I do. I, I have failed as a host as a host on this occasion. So I will again fall on my sword and take another No, no. Away. We'll just we'll do it so it's the Wild West for every podcast. We just won't <laughs> do any preparation whatsoever. I won't send any predicted teams over or choose a side on a debate or anything. We'll just do it on the night. Oh, I love pissed off Richard. <laughs> All right. I, I am gonna tell I, I have mess this up and I will um, take a, a, a beating on this myself. Um, so James will get the points. He will get no more points than the two he's got and I'm going to take a point off myself as well uh, for being a poor host and a poor debate. Are we all if, happy? It helps. if it helps, I'm still on minus points so you don't have to worry too much. Okay. Uh, we'll go away, we'll come back, we'll talk about the... Uh, Everton game, right? Everton, am I right? Let's do it. We may be fans of the best team in the land and all the world, but sometimes life isn't always great for everyone. You can make life a little bit better for someone else by donating to your local food bank. Visit MCFC Food Bank on Twitter for more information and for their GoFundMe link. So... 
we're back for part three. Uh, in all the excitement and, and fury, um, I did forget to say the guard cliches for the last debate. Basically, it was you mentioning any other quote hard man unquote city legend stories like uh, Kolarov singing Jingle Bells or uh, Tiato kicking that bottle over when he got substituted or Joey Barton stubbing a cigar out in Jamie Tandy's eye like that sort of stuff what about Kevin Harlock and his aggressive walk oh well <laughs> I didn't have that one down so you would have gotten away with that one What's I did mention Ben Thatcher. If I'd have if I'd have said the murder in his eyes, would that have uh, got a cliche? No, and I'm, I can't believe I forgot it because that's the one I remember more than anything. <laughs> see, uh, Harry Kane did the exact same thing the other day. Yeah, he's trash. So, uh, just to clarify, there at the end of that, uh, James got two points. Uh, he didn't get the point for getting both because I'm a terrible host, so I lost the point uh, for that because Richard didn't get advance notice that it's. Quite hard to argue with a man who's been in the war, as opposed. If you to want to, um, <laughs> if you want to do a, a majority ruling on that, I don't mind James getting an extra point there. It does, doesn't seem fair that he loses out on getting an extra point for winning both things when you and you get docs a point for I, I being think, a I poor think, host. Le- le- I think we're fine as is because I, they I mean was, nothing, I, don't they? I was uh, at the end of the day. I was uh, sort of creating a, bit of a drama. If we don't stop talking about, it, I'm going to dock myself ten points. <laughs> I'll do it. Richard talking. Um, I'll do it. Just on the uh, uh, the hard man thing, uh, I was chatting to one of my mates from work today and saying that this is the debate I've got coming up today. And he had he had two thoughts. One was Danny Tiao, like you just mentioned, and the other one was Andy Morrison for the, like the one season that he played for us and just absolutely battered everyone. Which I completely like. Just to look at the guy, I completely agree with. But then it was only one season, so the body of work wasn't really there. But uh, I have to give Ian props for uh, trying to help me with that. Points for Ian. He says he's going to start listening as well. So I'm not giving other people points when I've already got myself two in <laughs> Do, do you know what? I genuinely said to him, you might end up on the table above me at this rate, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, he will do if he's getting one point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so we've got the FA Cup at the weekend. We are playing up the Toffees. What uh, stadium so, is it at, Cam? Is it closer to I think it's Budapest? A, it's <laughs> Arena. Yeah. <laughs> How are we feeling? It's Everton. They're, they're up and down. How are we feeling about that? They did well against us last time, didn't they? Initially. They scored. Yeah, it's always That's a tough game asked. against Everton, especially away from home. Uh, I know that we've got a good record against them recently, and I actually can't remember the last time we lost a game against them, but... They do put up a bit of a fight. I think that City will come out winners, but I think it will be a bit closer than it has been for the last couple of games. Anybody you're particularly wary of? I know Rich Allison, last time we played him, could not stay on his feet, which was pretty upsetting. But uh, is there anybody in particular you'd rather see not play? Was oh, the Rich Allison one the one where um, he fouled Laporte and then as Laporte yes. was on the way down, he ricocheted off Rich Allison and he tried claiming a foul for it. Absolutely it was, yeah. Oh dear. Hopefully he won't be playing, but I get the feeling he will be. Do Everton take the FA Cup seriously or are they fighting for uh, European spots in the Premier League so that they're are not, they not be that asked? They have a game in hand on Liverpool on equal points at the minute, I believe, as a time of recording. So Premier League is quite important at the moment but it's also the only trophy they're going to get uh, any chance of winning so I would expect they'd take it quite seriously there's an uh, international break as well and they're coming up so they've got time well in theory if all the players aren't going to rest up a bit hmm. well, yeah that's a good point let's move on to some lineups um, I actually forgot to do my lineup so I've, I've made it up on the fly um, so we'll go with me last Richard do you, what, what, do you want to go through your full lineup? yeah I've got a bit of a um a bit of an odd lineup here. I don't. I think that it's potentially going to cost me a lot of points, but I've written it down and I'm sticking with it. In goal, I'm going for Zach Stefan. I think he gets a start for this one FA Cup game. Edison's been playing a lot recently, so get that rotation in there. At the back, I'm going to go for Kyle Walker and Eric Garcia. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll focus on that in a minute, but I'll go through <laughs> the rest of that first. Alongside him, Aymeric Laporte and Alexander Zinchenko. In midfield, I think we're going to be captained by Fernandinho, and alongside him, Kevin De Bruyne and Ilkay Gundogan. 
and up front the combination of Sterling, Jesus and Foden. I like it. There's uh, a couple of big calls in there. I made, in my very hasty lineup. I made a very similar call, but we'll get to me last. Uh, James, what about you? What's your lineup? Again, starting with Stefan, uh, Walker at right back, Laporte and Diaz in the centre with Cancelo at left back. Midfield three of Rodri, Bernardo and Foden. And I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is just because of the debate, but I've gone for Jesus on the left wing, Aguero up top and Sterling on the right. Nice, I could see that happening definitely with uh, the rotation going on at the minute. The only thing is there's no Kev. Yeah, but you can't play every game, can you? No. Okay, uh, so we'll go with my lineup. I have gone definitely the strangest out of all three of us, I think, and I think I could definitely again lose some points for this. I think Pep played that 5 3 2 for a reason, and I think he might do it again. Ooh. So oh, that is a big call. We've all gone Stefan because uh, he, he likes his cup keepers, we know that. So uh, we've all gone Stefan. We've all gone Walker as well. We all think Walker will play. Uh, I've gone Stones, Diaz, and I did have Laporte, but I'm going to put Ake. Stones, Diaz, and Ake. I've gone for Benjamin Mendy at left back. Oh, dear. Jesus, this is going to be mad, isn't it? There's points falling everywhere. For... Is Pep Fern... throwing the FA Cup in your <laughs> eyes then, Cam? I've gone for Fernandinho, uh, Bernardo, and then a front three of Jesus, Aguero, and Mares. Are you fitting Brain Kid in there as well, mate? Hey, I'm throwing everything but the kitchen sink. And uh, <laughs> I'm looking at that lineup and regretting it immensely. <laughs> yeah, I thought mine was a bit left field, to be honest, mate. And then you went and did that. Because you've gone so out of the norm. Are we, James, should we, is he getting an extra point for the formation and not just the players? Yeah, if he gets the formation right, let him, let him redeem that point he took off himself okay. today. Well, thank you. We'll, we'll see. Did anybody else pick <laughs> Garcia, by the way? No, because we're no, not crazy. I, pick, I picked Ake as my weird centre-back. I just think player. that Ake, he, Pep usually likes to start introducing players to getting a bit more game time. So I'd have, I was thinking about him myself, but maybe at left-back. But I was thinking maybe he's going to introduce him and get him some minutes as a substitute first. And I just think that he's done that with Garcia recently by bringing him on. And... You know, Garcia is a tried and tested Champions League caliber, Premier League caliber centre back. So he is a viable option. Diaz is playing a lot and Stones has played two games in a row. So I'm going to put a bit of a risk, but I'm going to say that I'm pretty confident that Garcia starts for this one. It might send but, City if Twitter into meltdown, but it's nonsense. You, We've got him, we paid him, he should play. Are you doing the lineup for City Extra? I'm not. No, I don't oh, have the okay. time. So, okay. Well, nobody reads our Twitter, so you won't, don't worry, it won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I was 100% going to say Stones, Diaz and Laporte, and then as I was saying La, I remembered Ake existed and I went for a punt. So we'll see, I guess. we've got. I think we've got three quite different lineups. What was interesting about yours as well is you've got Walker at right wing back, haven't you? I do, yeah. Doesn't tend to yeah, that's not, uh, that's not common, that mate, either. I, I, he lacks a bit going forward, doesn't he? We'll see if I'm in tune with Pep's madness. But... I tell you what, though, we're opening up some debates here. We've got Cam Walker for future reference. Can Walker play at wing back? Is Garcia a viable centre back option? Is Pep throwing away the quadruple like Cam thinks he is by playing that defence? You know, <laughs> all knows. <laughs> yeah, I'll never come up with a fun lineup again. How about that? <laughs> No, you've got to get it right on the graphic for Twitter. It's never going to happen. <laughs> Just give up on it. <laughs> I've tried my best. I've sent pictures to you and it still came out wrong. So at least I've got two out of three right this time. <laughs> what about uh, score? What are we thinking? I've gone... I haven't actually thought about this. If you want to go first. James. Yeah, yeah. I've gone 3-1 uh, with Foden scoring, which I think I think he's been close for a few games and he's been playing really well. So he's probably due one. Just based on Everton last time that I could I could see them getting a goal. You come up without yet? Yeah, I'm going to go for 2-1 and I think I'm going to go for Sterling to score. I think that because he's not been getting a lot of game time, he should be nailed on to start this one. So I'm going for him. That's what I said last time. Didn't happen. Going for a uh, redemption arc there, yeah? I'm going to go 
true to my boy. I'm going to agree with you, uh, James, and say it's going to be a 3-1 with a Sergio Aguero goal to cap it off. Brilliant. I suppose all that's left to do, because we probably won't meet before that game either, um, how are we feeling about the Leicester game following that? James mentioned redemption. That's uh, that's going to be the key theme for this one, isn't it? The last team to actually really get us was Leicester. Did, did we have Diaz last time we played Leicester, or, or did he come in just after that? No, yeah, we didn't have him. He wasn't at the club. Maybe there's less to worry about now we've got a more short back line. John Stone's played up to his... Didn't Garcia uh, play in that one? Possibly. Yeah, and it was it was Walker who was the culprit. I think he gave two penalties away, didn't he? And Mendy played. Is, sure, Mendy played as well. I think Vardy's injured as well. Is um, it? I, I believe so. Uh, don't quite yeah, but um, Ian Accio's the bloke in form, isn't he? And, you know, against his former club, and nobody likes scoring against Manchester City more than former Manchester City players. I don't players, know. So. Do you not remember when he, when he purposely put his shot wide for us? Yeah, he, that <laughs> exceptional circumstances, though, to which he will be forever a City legend. <laughs> I don't know if it's true anymore, because uh, we literally had Tolson give us a penalty a week ago as well. So maybe it's finally... City players are, are working for us rather than against us. Let these players go for cheap and then we'll put that in the uh, contract. Good, good. Uh, so a- anything else anybody wants to say about Leicester? Do you know what? They're, they're the one that are standing out for me in the, in the run of fixtures we've got coming up. That I think if we if we kind of put these to bed, then we can almost ease up a little bit in the league. We've said before that the league's finished. We, we all still think that, right? I do. I do. I, I, I sort of put my... Uh, my opinion out early on that, didn't I? And I still stick by that. But I just think it'd be obviously it'd be a more enjoyable and easier ride if we can ease past Leicester. We've still got some big games to play. We've still got like Chelsea, we've got Leeds, we've got Villa, I think. Did we play Everton on the last game of the season? There are, there's, you know, there's some tricky ties in there. But like we say, I think Leicester last time, it's probably, you know, where there's some res- residual scars there, who knows? I think if we can get past this, it just seems to be a bit of a one that stands out for me in the fixture list. I reckon with being 11 points playing the same games over United, we can realistically afford to drop points in three games. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the fixtures coming up, yeah, in, especially in the month of April, it is pretty tough. And then you've got to factor in that we'll have Champions League games in there as well. But we can still, as I said, you can afford to drop points in three games and there's some games that, that we will get points from. I'm pretty confident that we'll be Everton on the last game of the season. We'll beat Villa when we come up against them. So even if we do drop points to Leicester, it's not the end of the world. No, it's not. Hopefully it's not. not. It's just in an ideal world. We'd uh, reach past them. And we're going to. Uh, <laughs> so I guess the only thing to end with is the state of the table following... Uh, a very eventful debate. Uh, so, James is still bottom, uh, even though he had his best ever performance, but he's now only on minus two. So he's almost there. Almost points positive. Uh, and now me and Richard are joint top with uh, one point each. Or joint uh, second. I have a feeling. Yeah, joint second, as Manchester United fans like to say. Of course. <laughs> uh, I wonder if anybody will ever break double figures. <laughs> <laughs> like you got closest, Richard, but it doesn't look possible. <laughs> I think we're probably a bit too hard on ourselves sometimes, but uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see. First one to break 10 points gets a point. Uh, anything else to say? <laughs> interest. We, uh, <laughs> we'll learn interest on points for now and I'll work out a percentage-based system. Anything else anybody wants to say about fuck every club but mine, Manchester City Football Club? Before we we get, get We've got the uh, Champions League draw on Friday. Who are you like sweating about getting? Chelsea. You know, we, we briefly chatted about this last week, didn't we? That really, there's no, there's no easy draws now, is there? But I, I, the last thing I want to see is the yellow of uh, Dortmund and Erling Haaland running at us. And in um, has Gareth Southgate announced his England squad yet? No, I don't think so. Not yet. Are all the City English players getting called up? Do you reckon? Stones got to be back in, hasn't he? I think Stones yeah, we've getting, I think not got enough depth in. at that centre back position for England, so. Is Foden getting in? Yeah. I'm not so sure. Only I watched a video today that basically outlined our best four attacking midfielders. It was Grealish, Mount, Foden and Madison. And Grealish is just obviously going. Madison's just not been that good this season. And Southgate absolutely loves Mason Mount. 
absolutely loves him. So I don't know. Definitely has a poster of him on his wall. (laughs) I don't know if Phil's place is booked or if it is. I think he's at the bottom of the 23 man list. You could look at this a different way, mate, though. And I I mean, I don't watch lots of the Bundesliga, but if Sancho's not been playing great, probably Foden on the wing. I think that Southgate likes to pick the players who choose to go abroad to get game time so that it encourages other English players to do that. Like, I've got a theory that when Trippier went to Madrid, the reason why Walker didn't get in the England squad for a bit was because he'd had some sort of guarantee from Southgate that if he did move from Spurs to a foreign club, that he'd still get in the England team or that he'd still be considered for England. So... I reckon that Sancho and Trippier will always get in just so that Southgate can encourage that from some players. Do you think Southgate's trying to colonise the continent? <laughs> with that with that in mind, there's Jude Bellingham in there at Dortmund and he's, correct me if I'm wrong, he's not been called up to the 21s. And, um, I he's only what, 16 though, isn't he? Yeah, no, but what's the 20? AD Boythroyd, isn't it? Um, and he said about... About Bellingham and one other, who was the other one? Reese James, was it? Reese James. Basically, they're yeah. now they're now first teamers, and they you know they won't be part of the twenty ones. Whereas Mason Greenwood went back down to the twenty ones, so that that could be something to think about because he he plays in that similar position to those attackers that you mentioned as well. And on the happy note of a United player getting demoted <laughs> in the England South, we'll call it a day there. Uh, it's been lovely talking to both of you. I'll just say before we finish that the England team will probably have been announced by the time this comes out so we'll all get proven wrong on that <laughs> actual goodbye Sanji bye still in my catchphrase James <laughs>